Welcome to Radar. This program can be heard at thevinyldistrict.com or anywhere fine podcasts are found. Here is your host, Evan Toth. Elroy is the son of Crowded House's Neil Finn. And just like much of his musical family, he's a unique artist all his own. While he's currently playing drums in Dad's band, Elroy also has a brand new album out, and it's simply titled Elroy on Grand Phony Records. Written, produced, recorded, and mixed by Elroy himself, the album is a moody and mellow slice of modern-day psychedelia. Elroy joins me all the way from New Zealand to discuss the writing and production of his new album, his musical family and its influences, and what's coming up next. Thank you so much for uh, for taking some time out to talk to me. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Uh, why don't you tell us about the new project? You've got a self-titled, uh, self-titled project here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's um, it's the you know the first record that I've made. Um, I'm normally have been a drummer for other bands over the last you know 10 15 years so that kind of been my main um, job and then had been piecing together music over you know that that period of time slowly and and learning how to record at home as i went and sort of you know i was i was some of my techniques were fairly primitive at the beginning but they got more refined and i kind of got an idea of what i thought my music should sound like so it took a long time to make this record but um and I finished it a, a, quite a while ago now, so it'll be really nice to kind of have it out in the world and and uh, move move on fully from it. Yeah. How long did it take you to make the record, Elroy? I'm sure you you know sometimes you stop and start with these things. Yeah, it was very much a stop and start process. I'd kind of have a burst where I'd spend a, a solid month, but then it would slip to the back of the queue for a few months. So overall, all up, I think like it it was completed over the course of about six years. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, that was by no means a solid six years of work. It was sort of right. here and here and there. But at the end, I I kind of managed to put an allocated period of time together to to get it done. Good, yeah, six years. You know, if it was if it was from beginning to end in six years, we'd expect a double album or or even a triple, one of the triple yeah. records. You know, yeah, and I, like I, I don't know if that would necessarily be a great idea either. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. no, it'll, it'll be really nice to sort of. Uh, not 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 see the back of it, but just 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 to, you know, it's a sort of documentation for me of of how I learned to record and write and re- refine the skills that I I needed to refine to make it sound how I kind of imagined it sounding. So, it's a sort of an, an a documentation of my musical education in a way, which I kind of like. Right. Well, you certainly have a few folks around that you can uh, uh, share ideas with or knock ideas around with. Uh, how did you how did your maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But did your family and, and your musical circle, anybody help you or, you know, guide you or, you know, even recording techniques, anything like that? Anybody saying, you know, try try this, Elroy, you know, I mean, yeah, undoubtedly the people you're around are going to influence, um, you know, what you're exposed to or what your skills can be if, if you're getting tips from people. Um, I guess I, I did want to make it myself to a large degree. I kind of would block myself away and, and learn these things the hard way in for the most part, but there was definitely times where, you know, you hit a wall or something and, and the only way out of those, um, those sort of tricky patches are, are often by getting someone else's ears involved or 
having someone remind you that what you're concerned about is not actually noticeable to most people or, you know, put things back into perspective. So along the way, I definitely had people, um, you know, my, my dad and my brother and, and mum and, um, you know, I'd play them something if I felt comfortable or if I felt like it was nearly done. But and there was some, you know, some really good advice and stuff along the way. But um, for the most part, it was a solo project. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you come at things from a, a, a drummer's. I guess you identify mostly as a as a drummer, or or yeah. Well, as a, as a musician, I've I've performed for other people the most on drums. Yeah. So how does that sort of? Uh, it's funny. I was talking to uh, Eric Slick a few weeks ago. He's from. Uh, he's the drummer for Doctor Dog here in from okay. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, he's got a, a solo album out. So I'd ask you the same question: what What's unique about you know? It is always a very unique thing when a drummer takes the reins and uh, you know, from a drummer's perspective, producing a record. Did you feel any you know any uniqueness about that? I mean, yeah, maybe subconsciously there's a, a way that I approach music that um, is probably influenced by the fact that I've played drums. But I, I guess when I listen back to the record, it's not like I, I consider it a drum record or a drum-based record even. Like it, I wrote the whole record on guitar essentially and most of the time when you're working on your own you know, at home, it's easier to put a electronic bed of beats or a rhythm down at least so you can end up editing it later down the, the path um and then you built i generally built the record on top of those sort of beats so it wasn't like putting the drums down first in a traditional recording sense which you know probably leads to quite different results but um those were the limitations of how i was working so it's not necessarily an expose of my drumming at all really there's a lot of very simple drum parts and um, some of them don't even have live drums. It's just still the electronic part that I wrote the song to. So I, I maybe didn't explore the the drumming elements as, as much as I could have, but I guess I was focused on all the other elements of, of making music at that point because drums was my job and this was an outlet for my, you know, um, creative side melodically and, and guitar-wise and learning how to, EQ things and do stuff with synths and things like that. So I guess that was maybe what I was enjoying doing more than focusing on the drums while making this record. The record is, uh, you know, you do have a lot of textures going on there. You're right. It's not just a drum thing. Obviously, it's it's moody. It's mellow. Can you talk a little bit about building that the atmosphere? You know, it, it feels like there's an atmosphere that uh, uh, goes, you know, from beginning to end. You know, it's it's very much a, a package. I think you did a good job in building that uh, auditory world, shall we say. Um how much did you think about that? How much were you, especially since the project was a you know off and on for so many years? How did you maintain that that flow? I guess I mean, like I was saying before, I didn't really know what I was doing when I was starting out this project. Um, I was just sort of piecing things together. But over the course of you know a few years, I started hearing what it should be like, and and the ones that were the pieces of music that were rising to the surface were they had a common. Um, element about them so I, I ended up kind of just pursuing that and then you know there's still some fairly different style songs on there or I guess but um, ultimately I, I did want to make a, a record that sounded cool from start to finish as a piece um, I guess that's not really something that's appreciated in the modern music world uh, very much um, it's more about singles and about you know shorter term 
stimulation rather than sitting down and enjoying a whole record. But romantically, I wanted to make my first record a, a piece that I, you know, I was proud of from start to finish. And I mean, a lot of the songs went into each other okay um, anyway, but I kind of wanted to create some segue music and things that could tie them together to create, you know, a, a, an atmosphere that was consistent throughout the record. Yeah. Musically, are the, do you have any uh, uh, musicians or, you know, you're a fan of any records or albums that, that maybe you used as sort of a, a model or anything you're, you know, anything that, you know, the sound that you have on that record, are there any other artists that you feel, um, you know, really influenced you in building that sound? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I don't try to to emulate or copy stuff specifically normally because right. it, it, it you know not not to say there's problems with that because you can get great results and they can be really different even if you are trying to do that but I guess uh, inspiration wise I mean Shuggy Otis um, that record Inspiration Information has got pretty much every song on it is just like really close to my heart and I can put it on at any time of day and um, he largely made that record on his own um, played all the drums. He did it in a way that I'm probably, in hindsight, would have liked to pursue where he actually played full drum tracks and I think built songs on top of that. Yeah, that record was really important to me. Um, so I guess it's not the same kind of music, but the fact that he was pursuing his vision of a solo record and, and really doing all the elements himself was an inspiring thing. I like the sonics of Mac DeMarco's music. Like, I, like, I think mm-hmm. he makes things sound really good and... My intention is not generally to leap out and grab someone's attention through jarring, um, you know, sounds or time changes that are going to throw people off intentionally. I kind of want to make music that's just an enjoyable thing to have on that's not going to be distracting or um, leap out in not an aggressive way, but, you know, like I'd like it to be an enjoyable thing for people to listen to up close and really paying attention to, but also something that could be, on in the background and not you know get in the way of other things yeah there's something in the in the pr release about uh having it on you know imagining someone having it on as they're drifting off to sleep or something yeah. like that right yeah. well i i mean i can only say that from my point of view because i would listen to it obviously while i was making it a lot going to sleep and whether that's a good thing or not um right. i found it <laughs> relatively easy to fall asleep to because it's pretty mellow overall and you know sleep's an important thing so if it can aid that in people's lives then that can't be a bad thing you're talking about uh you know recording and getting your feet wet six years ago and learning learning a lot of stuff where did you record it did you uh did you do at home is there a family spot or did you do somewhere else in uh, new zealand or were you in, was, in the states or i was living in new york at the time um, oh, okay so i i kind of started it all in my bedroom and then um when i was back in auckland uh, here and there throughout that six years I would try and get to uh, my dad has a studio in Auckland so and I mixed it in the actual studio but he also has a little writing room which has a few cool instruments and so I would get in there and, and do some recording so it was sort of mostly at home but then when I had access or an opportunity to use um, a space with more array of instruments or um, outboard gear I would I would seize that and and try and get as much done in like a, a little evening or a couple of days here and there as I could. Right. So Elroy, who else? I didn't, I didn't take a look at the personnel on the record. Are you playing most of the stuff or just kind of overdubbed everything like a McCartney kind of thing or, or who else is on, on that record with you? I, well, I played everything for the most part. And then I had um, 
a friend play guitar on one song and then I had another friend play keys on one song and then my dad played keys on about two or three. Um, but other than that, it was just me, yeah. And you tell dad, dad, don't you're playing it wrong. You're not, no, you're not doing it right. I, I, I see where you're going with this, dad, but yeah. just trust me. No, he, he, um, he had some very helpful suggestions, and and a couple of his parts on keys were, were quite um, informative of the the direction of the song. So you know, not to say it was a completely solo effort. He, the others were helpful, but um, but aside from those instruments, yeah, it was it was just me in my room generally. Uh, speaking of your dad, I'm I'm listening. I mean, it's hard to you know put this record on and not think about uh, all that music. I've seen your your dad in Crowded House many times over the over the years. Um, and I'm listening and listening and I'm going, well, what, what am I, what am I feeling is similar? What am I feeling is different? And you know, what kept popping up to me was I really feel, uh, uncle Tim a lot in there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Tim in there. Okay. Do you, do you, do you, does that, does that make sense to you? Does, something about that kept resonating with me. Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me, I suppose, but I haven't, no one's said that to me before. Um, and I haven't really noticed necessarily that i i was emulating that but um happy if that's the case i love tim's music and you know that would be cool but uh it wasn't a conscious thing necessarily um no but- I, I didn't imagine it would be conscious but it just it, it is uh, it was something that uh as i said i was looking for that looking for that hook looking for that similarity thing and i went oh i hear right. tim finn in there somewhere Okay, cool. Well, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Is there a song, a song or two on the record that you're particularly proud of, or that you, um, you know, you have an interesting uh, story about writing, or any something that really um, one or two of those songs that really st- stick out to you? Um, I mean, I guess the most immediately uh, likable one, in my opinion, is worth the wait because um, it sort of has a a chorus that would you know, have more chance of getting stuck in your head than most of the other songs on the record. Um, mm. So, I, and I, I'm really happy with how that one kind of came out um, sonically. And um, it was the last piece of music that I made for the record. So maybe it was the most current with how I, you know, how I make music now, um, which is pretty different to how I, you know, started with all of these songs. So um, yeah, Worth the Waits, um, you know, one of, one of my favorite moments, Lost Our Mystery, is another song I think um, came up really well, you know, sounding wise and atmosphere wise. And um, maybe the song Way Down Above Below, another example of one that came out kind of um, just how I, I kind of imagined it would. So yeah, that's always a, a good result if you can realize a vision that existed in your head. Uh, so yeah, I, tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up in, in this musical family and how you sort of, uh, we already talked about, you know, your connection with drums and percussion and stuff. But, you know, how how do you when you look back, especially after uh, recording this album and putting it on the shelf, like maybe maybe I'll, we'll get it over here one of these days. But um, when you put it on the shelf and you and you have a little hindsight, how does how do you how do you think of those influences growing up in your family and, and the extraordinary you know experience you had musically growing up? I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely um really appreciative of kind of the the nature of my upbringing was um really unique and really lucky ultimately to to be surrounded by music at a young age and to um kind of you know 
be shown that it is an option at a young age is something that most people don't get. You know, music can seem like the most foreign thing in the world to a kid right. if they haven't tried it and, and adults similarly. Um, so to, to get an opportunity for it to be normalized, like something anyone can do and anyone should try, it was really helpful. I think, um, unfortunately, a lot of people don't get that. So I feel really lucky for that. And then obviously um, the, the success that my, my dad and uncle and brother more, more recently have enjoyed um, was informative about the industry. Um, you know, not that it exists in the same way anymore to when, it, when my dad was starting out or mm. not that the things that happened to him will be relevant to how my career goes, but just, uh, yeah, the psychology of making music and the mystery of writing songs. These are all things that um, I was able to discuss with my family, which is is a rare thing. So, um, yeah, feel you know, feel very lucky and and honoured. But at the same time, it's the only existence I've known, so it, it doesn't feel abnormal. It doesn't feel weird. It just um, it's just the what what it is. It seems normal. Do you guys like? You ever get together for holidays and not play music? It seems like every time you guys are going to get together, it's like, oh, let's play just some, just, you know, tunes and stuff. Is it like, can we just play Scrabble, everybody? I don't want to. I don't want to have a family sing along. Is it like hard to to put that music thing aside ever? Yeah, it's it's definitely not to a point that is um, is frustrating or annoying or anything like that. It, <laughs> right. it, it's not an overkill if that's what you're asking it's um everyone, no, I'm just, I'm everyone's allowed to do their own thing and and pursue other projects and things like that it, it's um obviously we've made music together a lot because the opportunities have been there for that and you know um my dad and my brother have wanted to use me as a drummer so that's sort of the the be all and end all of it to a degree if i if i wasn't good enough i wouldn't be doing it as often as i am or same with them if they wanted a different style drama or if they wanted to be pursuing different genre of music or um get the expertise of someone outside the family it's still you know everyone's still doing that if they feel it but it's also i think a powerful and unique um opportunity to to be able to make music with your family so it's it's cool to be doing it great so the record's gonna come out and uh what's the plan with it uh are uh, any touring or uh or what's uh, what are the next yeah. steps for you any next any projects coming up or, or aside from this or what's uh what's on the horizon yeah i mean i'd love to tour this record um in some way i guess i'll be doing it like solo with you know maybe some sort of backing track show version to mm-hmm. in order to make it you know a viable option um to, to start off with especially if it's international in new zealand i've been able to do quite a few shows and have a six-piece band which has been really satisfying so cool it would be cool to do that again overseas someday but um for now i guess i'll reconfigure a live set that i can do um, more or less solo and then hopefully come to the States um, end of this year, like, you know, early next year maybe and, and try and get some shows. But um, um, we got to do a tour with Crowded House uh, earlier this year in New Zealand. And so there'll be more Crowded House shows coming up in the near future, um, you know, internationally next year, that'll be more of the uh, the time frame. But so that'll be, you know, um, filling in all the gaps and maybe in, on the side, I'll be able to do my own shows as well. So I might, you know, be able to do both and, kill two birds with one stone right when when i spoke to tammy nielsen i think it was in november or something and she was saying you know this was the pandemic and and here yeah. in new jersey it, november october was still a very bleak time and uh she was saying well no we, i have a show to do tonight and i in new zealand 
I said, yeah. you're doing a show like in New Zealand tonight? She says, yeah, oh yeah, there's no, there are no masks. I said, and nobody's wearing a mask. It was just like, you know, yeah. uh, very oh. strange, but you guys were way ahead of the curve. So uh, thanks for leading the way. It was a very different reality. Yeah, I spent last year in LA for the most part um, up until about October and then came back to New Zealand. And it definitely took a little getting used to um, at first walking down the street and staring pretty wide berth around people but then no one else observing any sort of social distancing and then I went to a rugby game like a, a week after I got out of quarantine here and it was like 50,000 people I was the only one wearing a mask I was like what is, what is going on <laughs> it was really right. surreal well but, that's um, that's what we're going through here in in uh, New Jersey and New York right now everything oh is kind of you know but everybody's still like oh I'm sure I yeah. want to do this or you know yeah but, you know, it's gonna psychologically take a bit of time to get used to those experiences again well very good listen uh, I wish you the best of luck to it w- with right. it and uh, I really thank you for your time and if you're ever around in the New York City area and we can do something again I'd be happy to do it would love to nice one Evan thank you Radar is produced by Evan Toth in partnership with WFDU 89.1 FM and The Vinyl District. You can hear Radar on WFDU 89.1 FM or anytime online at thevinyldistrict.com.